We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Hornets fans, and welcome back to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie, and I'm joined by Brian. We actually have no live video today for this post-game recording, but we do have live audio on Twitter spaces. If you would like to interact with us, we'll keep an eye on the speaker requests if you have any comments or questions. As we start this episode, as always, I'll keep reminding you guys to support us. The best way to do that is either by visiting buzzbeat.substack.com or by giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we do, that's the way to show it. That's definitely the way to show it. Brian, I'll admit that I was uh, putting Beckett down for bed, so I missed pieces of the third and the fourth quarter, and actually I was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood before his bedtime instead, so parts of that felt a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, this was a bad game. Charlotte, starting you know what is i guess going to be their their usual five now with pj washington back in the lineup so it's at least good to see him out on the court um after jt jt door's been getting some of those starters minutes um in rotation slot for the last i guess week but right from the get-go brooklyn's new look lineup just came out just red hot i mean i thought charlotte's defense was was actually decent brooklyn was just hitting tough pull up uh from the mid-range and tough pull-up threes, and uh, Michael Bridges, you know, really got cooking. But yeah, no, I think Mr. Rogers and spending time <laughs> with your family was probably a better better use of time than watching uh, yet another just like slog of a late-season Hornets game. Yeah, so the final score was 102-86 between the Hornets and the Nets, but I want to switch things up. I actually want to start with the listener questions first, and then we'll touch upon anything that we thought was noteworthy in that game. Yeah, yeah, the first, yeah. The first listener question comes from at All About Hornets Hornets Hoops blog on Twitter. Kelly Oubre needs a new contract this offseason. Do you anticipate him re-signing with Charlotte, and what kind of contract do you think he might receive? So Oubre is definitely um, a guy that bought into the organization. He was a guy that was mentioning how he did not want to be a part of any kind of trade rumors. He is an unrestricted free agent this offseason, and he has mentioned that you know he wanted to keep his name 
out of any kind of trade rumors and conversations, I'm not sure if that's the reason why he wasn't traded by any means. <laughs> at the very least, it's pretty cool to hear that a free agent signing enjoyed their time with the organization and wants to say. It sounds like he's kind of gelled with the team and he certainly has that camaraderie on the sideline. I personally would have traded him just because I thought he was playing some good basketball and his value was relatively high. But I think maybe his hand surgery complicated some things a little bit. Here, here's my quick evaluation on Ubre the player before we get into any kind of contract talks. And none of this stuff is groundbreaking or anything that I haven't said before on the podcast. I think, number one, he's a streaky shooter. And when he does catch fire, it's it's fun to watch. But over the course of a season, and Lee has brought this up multiple times, it always just comes out to like 32, 35% behind the yard. It feels like it should be higher, but it's not. He is averaging 20 points per game this season. And I think because there was a little bit of a uh, scoring hole that was left behind by Miles Bridges, he has kind of helped fill that a little bit. I think that he's changed up his shooting profile a bit and getting to the rim at a better rate than he ever has in his career. He's attempting 6.9 attempts per 75 possessions of shots within four feet of the hoop. So volume shooter from three. He's getting to the rim a little bit more. He is a guy that you expect a little bit more on the defensive side of the court. I think the efficiency numbers are just are still low. Like I don't think, (laughs) you know, if he was a little bit better of a shooter, a little bit better of a rim finisher, I think maybe I'd feel a little bit better about bringing him back. So before we get into any kind of potential salary, Brian, what is your opinion of Ubre the player? And do you feel like his skill set, you know, translate to the future of this team? I don't think it translates to the future of this team. Um, just because I don't think he's, I mean, he, this was his age 27 season. And um, <clears throat> if you're looking at where Charlotte's going long-term from here, it's going to be Lamelo, probably PJ Washington, assuming they bring him back. Mark Williams, Bryce McGowan's who just got the, you know, the new contract. Um, it's going to be guys like that. I mean, I don't know, maybe James Booknight, <laughs> but, but probably not. Um, then it's going to be like the two first round picks this year, you know, like that. And you're going to build around these guys that are all, you know, 20 to 24 years old. Um, it is interesting for a guy like Ubre who like, you know, we talked about this heading into the deadline around the deadline too, but just, it just everyone in the league saw through what he was doing this season. Like it, I think Kelly is like a good guy to have in the in the clubhouse, and like he seems like a, someone that guys get along with. He's a like a, again, he seems like a positive vibes guy to have, and he can get he's streaky. He's built like a like a modern NBA wing, so he, he checks some boxes, but just the guy's averaging twenty points per game with forty nine percent effective shooting, like. Everyone looked at this guy and said, "This is this is like not legit. This is not translating to winning basketball." Um, because there's a lot of teams that could, in theory, use oh, you know, a versatile wing score, right? And if there was no real market for him at the deadline this year, then it's hard to imagine that being a thing that happens down the line. You never know. Yeah, I mean, if Kelly, if Kelly, you were sort of saying this about 
the, you know, if he shot it a little bit better, if he got to the rim a little bit more, you can add in if he was like a little bit better defensively or if the passing was just like a little bit better. Excuse me, because like some of the stuff he could do scoring the ball, like there is some versatility. Like he can slash, he can, as you described, you, as you've mentioned before, Richie, he can, um, you know, when he uses pick and roll, he can get to the mid range pull up. They use him in some of their movement shooting sets. Uh, they did that under both James Borrego and Steve Clifford. So there's some stuff there that you can work with. It just really doesn't move the needle much in terms of being like impactful winning basketball. But Uber can give you some usage and give you some scoring. Um, and at that size, like he demands, you know, he's going to demand interest from uh, NBA teams, at least in free agency. So yeah, I don't know about a number. The one thought I would have going forward would be like, I, you know, I don't really see much of a point of re signing Kelly Oubre. I think there are sort of like better ways you can use, you can go about doing your business in the offseason, unless you really think like you can sign him at like a decent number, then you turn him into a trade chip down the line. But like if he didn't have trade chip now playing some of the best basketball of his career, maybe the best basketball of his career on an expiring contract in the prime of his career, then it seems a little dubious to assume that like that said that situation's ever going to get better. You know what I mean? Or just it's wishful thinking probably. But you know, I won't be surprised to see Kelly back because, you know, the Hornets need wings on the roster and and he's a guy that spent two years here and, you know, I guess could be had for the right number. But um it's not something that if I were, you know, part of the front office that I would be too concerned with. But that's just me. No, I'm with you. And I don't know what that number is either. I think two players that we have to like consider moving forward. I, I know these players are, are don't play anything like Kelly Oubre, but they fill somewhat of the same position, that two, three, four area. Cody Martin, I keep forgetting about him. I know him and Oubre are very different players. Martin is more of a defender. He's got some more playmaking. He's a better finisher around the hoop. But if they feel confident that he's going to return to full health, he's going to eat into Ubre's minutes. And I don't feel like you would miss Ubre all that much. No, I think the miles bridges situation, like what, whatever is going to happen with that, that eats into Ubre's minutes. So there's definitely some variables here, but I'm just trying to think like, if I wanted to bring him back, not that I do, but if I wanted to bring him back, what is that number or what does that deal look like? And I don't even know if he would go for this, but like, do you think a one plus one kind of deal, like a, a two year deal with the second you know, year as a team option where Charlotte has some flexibility there? That that's I mean, it's kind of what they did with him when they had cap space two years ago, right? Um, I right. mean it wasn't a one plus one, but I believe the second year of the contract which we're in now was partially guaranteed. guaranteed. Yep. So yeah, maybe there's some way you I mean, like that's how you would do it, I think. Um, and that way you keep you maintain flexibility. There's some low percentage chance that it turns into a trade chip. You know what I mean? So that would be the way to go about doing it. But it's just like, what? what's the upside there for you as a team? Again, yeah. it's a small chance this guy turns into a piece that you can trade for like a second round pick, you know? And he, he's coming off of what, a $12 million contract? Yeah, like, 11, you- 11 or 12. I think 12. Yeah. 
would you give that to him again? It, like, just say if that was the scenario, you're bringing him back. Like, or do you think he would demand more? Or do you think he would demand more? He, he might demand. I mean, his he should at least demand more. Like, he should yeah. his agent, he and his agents, to say he's averaging 20 points per game in the <laughs> NBA. You know, like, uh, but again, as we were sort of alluding to, that does almost next to nothing for you as far as like winning basketball. Like, if Kelly Oubre is scoring 20 points per game for your team, you're like you're just not going to be winning many basketball games because that just means he's getting a certain amount of playing time and a certain amount of usage, which if that's the case, then yeah, your roster's not really like in a good, a good spot or it really is something you're trying to build up around. Like Ubre would have like far, far more value if he became like a 40% spot up shooter and became like a better defender. You know what I mean? Like it, the stuff that even the stuff that he's doing, is not like, again, Scoring with more usage really doesn't mean much. 26.5% usage this season for Kelly. It's a career high. And yeah, I mean, it's like all of that is too much. None of this is really scalable for winning basketball. So um, yeah, I'm not saying it's not totally, you know, that it's not worth like at least kicking the can on. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte like thinks about it. But uh, because like he's been like a again, it seems like he's been a good you know fit with the organization or whatever. It's just in terms of on court stuff, he's really not giving you um, much more than shooting in a lot of games that you're losing. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it almost felt like he played better last season with the role that he had. He's he's trying yeah. to take on a scoring role, which, yeah. you know, he's scoring 20 points a game, but I, I just don't feel like it translates, like you said, to any kind of meaningful basketball. All right, next question at Captain Regulator on Twitter. Has LaMelo shown enough that a max contract extension this summer is a no-brainer? So for those of you that aren't aware, Charlotte can extend LaMelo, I believe on July 6th is the date. And he's going into his last season of his rookie contract. The team, I believe, has two options, four-year or five-year extension. 
which would start in 2024, Brian, right? Like he would still make that $10 million next yeah. season, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, finally, he has, like of the four-year rookie contract, he has yep. one season remaining on it. Unfortunately, year three has been just a totally lost year for this guy. And then, yeah, in theory, the you know five-year rookie max would kick in. You know, he would sign it this summer of 2023, then it would kick in um, the fall of 2024. And then that would be for, yeah, probably $200 million and some change <laughs> over five years would be my get. I, I, it's probably maybe a little bit more than 200 million. And uh, the difference would be like, yeah, does Charlotte get that fifth year as like an option? Or is that like, oh, like, does LaMelo and his team get that as a, that fifth year as a player option? Or does that become just like a, Fifth year locked in with the team, right. I think. Right. Yeah. So it's an interesting question in terms of if he's like proven enough, shown enough. Yeah. Like, you know, Lamelo is an awesome talent. Like he, here's my thing. Like he, he may not be a number one guy on a playoff team. I actually probably think he's a number two guy. Yeah. But I feel like you have to make the move. I feel like when you luck into this guy in terms <laughs> of that 2020 draft, where not only did the Hornets jump up in the lottery that also golden state decided to go with wiseman over <laughs> mellow and yeah i mean he he's a streaky shooter he's a volume shooter but unlike Ubre, he has proven to be a mid 30s upper 30s guy from deep he's only going to improve you know with his defense his in between <laughs> game you know any other deficiencies he's younger like we're we're you know, we're comparing Uber in the previous question to this question. Like he's a younger player. He's got plenty of years ahead of him. He's a top tier playmaker in the NBA right now. He plays a very important position. And like I said, the talent that they were just able to acquire, you just don't get that yeah. opportunity a ton. So yeah, I, I, to me think it's like, not if if not a no brainer, pretty close to a no brainer. Yeah, I I think it is. I'll I'll go like you know one half step further. Like I do think it's a no brainer, even if you have concerns with like health, which maybe that's something that you. I mean, Lamella did play seventy five yeah. games last season, but you know injuries with the wrist, the ankle this season. Even even if the even if the injury history was worse. You know, then you would still it would still be a five year max, but you would try to hash out some incentives into it, like you know, playing you know playing X number of games to tap into you know, and like I don't even know if Charlotte would have the type of leverage to do something like that, but that's what you would try to do. I think and maybe that is like what Charlotte will will actually try to go about doing is trying to get just given the fact that Lamelo is going to end up playing only thirty six games this season, um, and getting missed time with injuries back during his rookie year. Like maybe you try to set it up in that that sort of way, like the maybe not to the extent that like the Pelicans and Zion did or the Sixers and Joel Embiid did, but you think that it's something along those lines. But um, I don't I don't know if they'll pursue that. I don't know if they if they have the leverage to pursue. Yeah, it, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. But they're gonna offer the five year max. I mean, they don't like one. They don't really have a say in the matter. Like. If you're a small market team like Charlotte, like you, once you have a guy like Lamelo, like you kind of just have to do everything you can to like keep in place, try to build up uh, a team around him, dude. It's important to remember he's still just 21 years old. He's gonna be 21 at the time of the draft this year. Like, there's gonna be plenty of guys that get picked in the 2023 draft that are older 
uh, the LaMelo ball. It's crazy. Like his best years are still ahead of him, uh, assuming good health down the line. I mean, the career numbers already are crazy. 162 games, 142 starts, 19 and a half points per game, seven and a half assists, six and a half rebounds, 38% shooting on threes on seven and a half attempts per game, and an 83% free throw shooter. Um, there obviously are t- Richie, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you and I have talked about this like every day for three years now. Like, there obviously are limitations with him as a finisher. And it's the kind of stuff that probably like bleeds into thinking why this guy probably is like best suited to be like a number two guy on a really, really good team. Just like barring some sort of like, you know, unforeseen finishing leap. And he's got the size and length to do that. But um, his the, the lack of strength, the weight, uh, like he's just I, I don't know. He looks like a guy that maybe never will be like a great at the rim half court finisher. Um he can still be an incredible player despite that. This guy's already made an all-star team. He's going to probably make a bunch more. So, no. I, it's a no-brainer. Like you sign the you offer it as soon as you can and he, you want him to sign it as soon as he can. Hopefully you get that fifth year or hopefully you get that fifth year locked into place not as a player option. We'll see how that goes and we'll see if they pursue any sort of like incentive package based off of LaMelo's health. I mean, who knows the, my guess is LaMelo, his representation probably wouldn't like that. I mean, I don't can't, I mean, for obvious reasons. And so maybe you're a little more cautious there, but those, those would be the two things I think to keep an eye on. Like what happens with that fifth year? Is it an option? And are there any sort of like health related incentives in this? But this deal's getting offered, and I think LaMelo will uh, will sign it promptly, too, because that's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it, it feels like, like you mentioned, like a small market team. They have to pull the trigger on this. And you, you talk about the health in that fifth year. I think that's the one thing that I'm the most wary about with him. Like, it has nothing to yeah. do with, like, his on-the-court development it would just be the injuries and in his first season and in obviously this season where he's not going to play any more games. It, it is kind of a bummer um, in terms of oh, no. some of the injuries that he's come about. And uh, the most recent one was a non-contact issue. And I, I felt like he was playing some good basketball leading up to this injury, especially in that like four game, five game win streak that they had right before he went out. Um, yeah. Like he was getting yeah. triple doubles or close to triple doubles almost every single night. And we saw firsthand tonight what this team looks like without LaMelo and just the offensive <laughs> log that it is. And you know, obviously there are other issues other than LaMelo that were taking place in this game. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's something that like when you lose this guy, you, you take like five steps backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's far and away the best playmaker on the roster. I think a lot of us saw some of the challenges he was going to have this season, not including the injuries, but just, with the absence of Bridges and them losing like another pick and roll ball handler, their best source of rim pressure, a guy that was a pick and roll and pick and pop partner for all of Charlotte's guards and forwards and some of their like, you know, uh, inverted actions. Um, yeah, like, it, you know, it's no surprise that the finishing has not looked great this season. And given how sort of like rudderless the season has been, it's no real surprise that like, I think LaMelo's, attention to detail and shot selection has sort of like, you know, come and gone. 
I think all of us have talked about that on the pod at, at some point this season. But even in that last game, the game he got hurt in against Detroit, like he hit some threes in that game that were insane. Like off movement, catch and shoot, just bombs. His shooting touch is insane. He's got unbelievable touch. It's why he's such a great three-point shooter. It's why he's such a great free throw shooter. It's why he's good on those little runners and floaters. And obviously you don't you wish he wasn't so dependent on that. But um but look, like it'll be interesting to see, like leading into the extension talks, just like Charlotte's gonna have uh, some some new players to the roster when that comes, you know? <laughs> just like, you know, there's a twelve percent chance it's Victor Webanyama's on the roster, you know? And then like all of a sudden I just think that, you know, that Again, I think it's a no-brainer for the Lamelo thing, but I think it'd be. I think there's. I think even more sort of like um, baked-in excitement comes with it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you've yeah. got one of these young, incredible players that you've added to the roster, especially Wembenyama, who seems like he would be a really fun guy to pair with uh, with Lamelo long-term in Charlotte. Um, there's only twelve percent chance of that, but that's like not like. I like those. Like, right now, it sounds pretty good, especially after what we watched, uh, watched, uh, watched tonight against against Brooklyn. But yeah, no, I think it's no brainer for Lamelo. He's awesome. Again, he's limited uh, as a finisher. He's limited defensively. The shot selection is like eh, not not always great this year. But the shooting touch, the range, and you mentioned it too. But just like his, um. His ability as a playmaker and a passer are extraordinary. He sees the court in 10 different dimensions. And um, I think deep down, he is like an unselfish player, just given yeah. like he does like to pass. I mean, again, you can say what you will about the shot selection this season. And I think even maybe going back to last year too, but he does look to get guys involved. And I don't think his assists are just like highlight chasing or stat chasing. Like, he does some some really special stuff that is just there to help get guys open. Um, I think one of the things that I'm missing with him most at the end of the season is uh, not getting to see him play with Mark Williams more. Like it, that was that was really that was the most fun I've had watching Charlotte play this season was getting to watch the few games that Lamelo and Mark Williams were healthy together. And I think Mil- Williams really misses him a lot. Um, because there's really no one else on the roster to other than I guess like DSJ to like kind of be a setup guy for him at the moment. Yeah, to me though, like DSJ just tries to get to the rim and then like he just dumps it off. Dumps it off. Yeah. That it's yeah, like Dennis Smith passes that's not like him reading like multiple no. lines of coverage. Yeah, you know, it's like him, which is fine for for what he is. But yeah, for him it's like collapse the defense and then a lay down pass to to the dunker spot for a, you know. Or empty side pick and roll, you know, collapse yeah. the defense, pocket pass, dunk. All right, third question and final question from our listeners at Maxton NM Artist on Twitter ask, with the looming bankruptcy of Bally Sports, what would be the best way to offer fans access to local broadcasting? I'm not entirely sure, like, the ins <laughs> and outs of the business side to Bally, but I have certainly read those reports I feel like their models seem to turn a lot of consumers off. And I feel like ever since they've left like YouTube TV, Sling, and all those other platforms, it feels like it's gone downhill for them. And, you know, we subscribe, I I believe, to like their app that they have. And 
Um, it's probably a little bit expensive, but we do it because we've got to, because there's not many options unless you're, I think cable cable might be the only yeah, option. That's, I mean, there. that's it. No, that, that is, if you're in the, if you're in the market, that's it. You have, yeah. you've been boxed in like, yeah. you know, that's it. Other than like whatever, like illegal options you have to find the stream. Other than that. Yeah. You've been totally boxed into valleys or getting into cable. Yeah, I just I don't want to risk the virus on my computer. <laughs> yeah, no, not worth it. Yeah, again, I I bought like ultimately the, I thought the Valley's app it's not like good, but I think it's fine enough. Like on both computer, like I mostly use it on my computer to watch the Hornets. Like I think it's been okay, but ultimately, like this type of like you know RSN regional sports network, like the model is just like so broken. Like it, it never should have been chopped up and created this way and it, yeah. it sucks that like people all across the the country get 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 like are unable to like access games or are put into really really tough spots to try to access games for their home team and uh for a league that is so like is trying so hard to grow the sport and like solidify itself as like the number two sport in you know in North America behind the NFL or whatever it's like that you had trouble getting it to like the most, what I think would be like the most like in demand customer, like the most likely person to like spend money on going to a game, spend money on buying merchandise. Like those people in the home market are like boxed out. And it, you know, it just, I'm sure the NBA has like considered these types of things before. And it's just a bummer that they're like, yeah, we probably turn away a lot of like hypothetical fans because of the way this is set up because we've made the product so difficult to get to the product is so good <laughs> like yeah. like, me, like this is it's awesome like even i mean the hornets stink but like even you can watch every hornets game and still see amazing stuff happen every night the game is so good there's so many talented players um and obviously there's a lot of other ways to get it but my my hope would be my hope would be because it wasn't just bally sports um in Sinclair that really caused this thing to to crater. It was also, you know, Sinclair when things were still being run underneath the Fox Sports, you know, umbrella, right? I mean, they they flipped the switch to Bally two years ago, less than two full years ago, you know, and this was already going in a in a bad in a you know trending in the in the wrong direction. So my hope would be that like we look at this now and I could I could look foolish for saying this, but like I think hopefully you look at it and you're like, okay, this, the way the product is like given is distributed to the community, it's consumers in the, the home team community, like that this is the Nadir, like in, this is as bad as it could possibly be. And I did not like fully up to speed on what exactly the, um, like Rich, are you aware at all about like the MLS season pass feature? That's, that's funny. I was getting ready to bring that up. I believe you. Yeah. Well, first off, it's on Apple TV, so we have yes, we don't have that, and we have not yeah. been able to watch Charlotte FC, and so there's no local broadcast. You have yeah. to get it through Apple TV. But I think what's pretty cool about the platform, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is that if you subscribe to that, you can watch your local games. You yes, can you can. Yes, that's okay. correct. That like at least I, I don't know that through my own experience, but the research that I did on the. Uh, like you know two three weeks ago on the service that was what i was led to believe at least yeah how amazing would that be dude like what well, and also yeah. why why wouldn't i mean like 
I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the biggest barrier to entry would be, you know, cost and who knows a bunch of other sort of like red tape type stuff. But like, why wouldn't Apple want to like if yeah. Apple's looking to like grow, it's like sports menu, like they're invested into Major League Baseball. They just sunk a bunch of money and resources into MLS. Like, hey, why would like well, the NBA is like so it seems like it seems like it seems like it would make sense in a lot of ways in terms of like demographics he just yeah it would check a lot of boxes i think at least from my vantage point but yeah how like what like richie what i've always wanted as someone that like watches like very little live tv that isn't basketball and even less live tv that isn't like sports but just like i wish we could have a, you know in some utopia like there'd be an a la carte you know yeah. thing where you yeah. could just say like i want to be able to watch like Either, you know, I'm picking these eight channels or I'm picking these three teams and these five, you know, whatever the the ratio would be. But like, even I have like dreamt about the, I wish I could just spend like, I don't know how many dollars a month and just like, give me the basketball shit. <laughs> like, and like, and I have all the NBA games on there and I get like, I get college, I get ECC. And like, I know just given the way like the media rights are. Uh, set up right now like that's not feasible but for i don't know maybe something like the nba that you basically get a uh, one of the biggest companies in the world like apple to essentially just like underwrite you know like <laughs> local tv networks like uh it's you know maybe a little pie in the sky but it's something it's something that i thought about um after we after uh we received this question so yeah yeah that was that was my first thought because i feel like the options are like some company swoops in and takes over Bally, like rebrands it, or just is completely different altogether. Yeah. And that's how you get your regional sports network with whatever teams they were affiliated with, or yeah. a company like Amazon or Apple TV. Yeah, company. yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. And I, I don't know what would happen to League Pass because at, at that point, it feel like League Pass would be obsolete. Bye bye. Um, like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great, but not because like the product is great. You know what I mean? Like, it's great because it, it allows you to see these games, but like, there are issues all the time with the app all the, all the time. Like it, the, the product itself is like, is riddled with errors, but it allows you to get access to such great, you know, sports, live sports that like, you know, again, I've paid for it for, I don't know how many years and will continue to do so. Um, but no, that's a great point you bring up, like, which, which leads me to believe that like, yeah, it's a company, it's a huge like tech company. Um, that's like looking to like spend more on like live sports. And we've seen um, like HBO is sinking money into soccer right now too. Like they're televising a lot of uh, like United States women's soccer teams uh, matchups right now that are also, I think being like simulcast on TNT. I'm not exactly sure how that's all set up too, but like, again, it would be something like that, you know, under like the Warner or Amazon or Apple umbrella. Or, yeah, I mean, or it's like, you know, another gambling company, you know, like the, the NBA by DraftKings or whatever, you know, like, which would be, it would be so annoying to see how it's like, you know, live gambling stuff would get more than, you know, that, that's literally already worked into the broadcast. It would get like way worse, but like, it would be something like that, you know, but I don't know, like in terms of scale, like maybe that's not even feasible because... The, the the kind of like hypothetical thing we're talking about is something that would cost you know billions yeah. of dollars. So um, it's tough. You know, there's not there's only but so many people that can kind of like foot the bill. And on like 
I mean, I guess the other thing that makes this a little tough too is like, you know, not every of the 30 NBA teams, you know, what percentage of them had like a Valley RSN? You know, it's like a, it's a it's a significant chunk, but it's not all of them. So yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. some of them have Comcast. Um, a lot of them have Comcast. Um, you've got like the two New York teams that have their own thing uh, with, um, you know, yes. So with the yes network. So that's it's it's tough. But I don't know. Again, my, again, my hope would be that like it's not good now. And I suppose the possibility for it to worsen exists. But my hope would be that that this could be an opportunity to like drastically improve the way people are brought in and the way content is distributed. Because again, I I would need to do more research on this, but like I think part of Apple's deal with MLS was they you know all of these teams are now being expected to create even sort of like more like in house content to be distributed on Apple's platforms back to the consumer. And like, you know, I mean, we'll see how that works or like how much demand there actually is for that kind of stuff. But it's like, do you, there's, there could be even more stuff to come from that than just like, oh, the game, the game is there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, yeah. you could have behind the scenes stuff. You could have exclusive content. You could, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways to sort of like customize the experience. And again, sort of like make an even deeper connection between team, player, uh, and you know, franchise and ultimately the users, the fans. Yeah, it's funny. We we I think when you said a la carte, I feel like that's we were where we thought this platform was going and how we were going yeah, like, for sure. Forward. But it yeah. it seems like it's it's not gone that direction. And I, I was frustrated with the fact that Charlotte FC wasn't on local TV, but it almost kind of gives you hope for potentially something like this in the NBA where you can watch any yeah. team, any team and even your local team. So yeah. It's funny we uh we spent some time on this question. I didn't actually think we would, but uh, <laughs> I think we, solved it. we solved the issue. We solved. Yeah, the issue. Some yeah, exactly. I expect uh, you and I will get a large consulting check from Apple uh, and the NBA at, at sometime soon here because we we've, we've solved the future of uh, streaming the NBA on demand. I know we're up against the clock, but I, I just want to mention one little. Nugget uh, from the game against the Brooklyn Nets. Hornets obviously fell. Record is now twenty and forty-six on the season. <laughs> and uh, I got little on this game, and there's really nothing that happened in this game that totally surprised me, or we haven't talked about it at yeah. certain points over the course of the season. It definitely wasn't a positive one to watch. They put up a little bit of a fight towards the end of the third and in the fourth quarter as well, but. The deficit was just too big. Michael Bridges was absolutely on fire. He finished with 33 in the game. His first quarter was awesome to watch. So the only yeah. thing that I'll say, and I think it's pretty obvious where I'm going with this, is the usual starting point, Mark Williams. He finished the game with a double-double, 10 points, 14 rebounds, but no blocks, which actually ends a streak of, a, I think, like 11 straight games with a block. But <laughs> I wanted to talk about something a little bit different in regards to his play and two things really like I, I feel like he's a very active player when it comes to his screening and i don't even mean just like on the ball like you see him off ball rescreen for like terry rosier rescreen again come to the ball set the screen so i think that speaks a lot to his activity and just the way that the hornets maybe have to use him and and trying mm -hmm. to create mismatches maybe if there is a switch especially for a team that loves to switch like the uh the nets 
Like yeah. you can get him down low on the block. And speaking of down low on the block, like he's not a guy that he's going to shimmy and shake and back you down and pound the ball five times, but he has developed a little bit of a soft touch, like a little turnaround push shot. Uh -huh. the first half alone, he was two of three of those. And the one that he did miss, like it was, it was soft. It just kind of rimmed out. So I, I think beside like the pick and roll threat, like the lob threat, and beside the offensive rebounds and the putbacks, like the biggest place that we probably should see him getting points over these last, you know, 15 games or so is probably with that little hook shot that he has. And it's, yeah. it's not going to be one of the, the, the things where they feed him in the post, but when you can create those mismatches, I think that's a, a perfect place to start. No, great point. I couldn't agree more. Like the touch that Williams is showing on those little like short roll push shots those like turnaround hook shots when he has like a, he, he posts up quickly and goes quick against the mismatch or even on like his short space passing, I think it's been very impressive uh, for, for his, for a guy his size and a guy on his development arc. I think it's really good. Look, I, I covered Mark for two seasons at Duke. I couldn't be around the team much his freshman year um, because of COVID. His development over the last 24 months, like this, it was March, his freshman year at Duke when like the light bulb went on for him and he started to play like really well for like, in you know, it wasn't doing anything that difficult. Just like screen dive, protect the rip, try not to get lost in pick and roll. And seeing what he's doing now, which is like be a real threat in pick and roll, a real threat and like a versatile threat. Obviously he's got the, like, he can be a hammer. Like, you know, if, if you don't tag on the roll, he's going to get into the front of the rim and he's going to detonate. Like, you know, it's like it's a lob or it's a lay down and he's going to punch it like you're not blocking that thing unless you can somehow get him from behind on the way up. If not, like it's too late. Like he's thrown that thing through because of the vertical threat too. It, it, like he opens stuff up above the rim, which is something that we've been for years, like just like begging to see around more around LaMelo and you know it's finally here in this in with the guy like this which is really really it really really cool to see I've been impressed with his mobility which continues to get better and better his lateral mobility like his ability to like guard in space it's not perfect he had some issues in the Orlando game trying to stay in front of uh Bancaro and Franz Wagner on switches or when those guys got downhill versus the versus Mark and drop coverage like it's not all the way there. Those guys are really, really good too, you know, but so I just, he continues to improve in some of these, like these areas that are like very key to his skill set, which are like, you know, it's the pick and roll coverage area and like how he functions playing in space. He's got to get better in space. He's got to get better in tight space. You do see him sometimes having trouble, like flipping his hips and being in the same in front of like quicker ball handlers when those guys get rolling downhill. No, no real surprise on that. I think for the most part, his pick and roll defense has been like pretty good. Um, I think long term, if you put him with the right kind of like point of attack defenders, he's going to be an awesome, you know, drop center with a lot of scheme versatility. But Richie, I know you must have liked it tonight when I think it was during his his stint in the first quarter where he had like a Mason Plumley. There was like a Mason Plumlee like Terry connection with Rozier. Where like Williams caught the ball around the elbow or like slot area and Rozier cut back door. And like Plumley was so good at hitting on those little like, you know, seven yard slants when he would like 
in the half court or sometimes in transition, like get behind this defender. And Terry missed the layup, but like I thought I'd have to go back and double check, I guess. But I thought the pass and like the timing and the the, the vision of it was pretty good. You know, it wasn't just like a straight like you know, Williams had to make a read and put it into somewhat of a window. Um so I think it's cool that they're getting to experiment hit with him a little bit, like at the elbow, doing some of that stuff and just like seeing what's there, exploring the space a little bit. Um, I think that is interesting. Um, <clears throat> but like I touched on a few minutes ago, like it stinks that there's no Lamelo to pair with him right now. And because there's just no one to give him like room service finishes. I think it was the, maybe it was the Orlando game or Detroit. It was one of the games that, uh, Lamelo was out, so I guess not Detroit, but like Williams to get his to like get finished at the rim, he had to go get his own offense off the glass. You know what I mean? And like that's just going to be the reality of the situation with like Terry Rozier as your starting point guard. Like he just can't spoon feed and get good looks for your pick and roll dive center every time down the court. So I honestly would like to see them uh, move Dennis Smith to the starting lineup. Um, move Rose, move Rozier to the two, Hayward to the three, PJ four, Mark five. Basically, I I want Dennis Smith Jr. to play as much as he can with Mark Williams now. Um, something that I'd I'd, I'd actually like to see whether he starts or not. But Wait, where, I, is, where is Tao Maladone? Like, where, where is he? I no, I that was funny. Like, I during the game tonight, I was like, where is this dude? And then I was like, man, I probably should know, but like, it just, it got lost for me at some point in time. So like, I don't, I felt guilty about not knowing. So I, I wonder if they're placing DSJ off the bench for him to be that quote unquote backup point guard. But if you had Teo, it would make, you know, life a little easier. Yeah, no, sir. I mean, he would be, I mean, in a lot of ways, it seems like he would actually be, uh, Pretty helpful. I mean, it looks like he's playing for the Swarm over the uh, Saturday during Saturday's one fifteen to one hundred loss to College Park. Maldon had twenty four points, six rebounds, four assists, and one steal. <laughs> so, like, he's playing for the Greensboro Swarm is the answer to that question yeah. right now. I didn't know if he was injured. I missed it. I thought maybe I missed yeah. it. No, same same here. But yeah, just it would be nice to have for Mark to be able to play with multiple setup guys. So, yeah, Maldon. And in DSJ, um, because right now, like I like Hayward's obviously still a good passer, and you know PJ can be a ball mover, but like there are just times now where I just I'd like to see I'd like for him to be able to get more pick and roll usage um, with the uh, with the starters, and so I don't know the DSJ is like the the way to do that. I don't know if they'll experiment with that, but it's something that I'm I'm a little curious about. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap here after this post-game episode. I actually didn't think it would go this long, but we put some content out there, you guys. (laughs) Sorry, I I feel like I say that a lot, but I'm not sure how much we'll get to this week in terms of another episode. I know that the conference tournaments are starting up this week, and Brian's just going to be solely focused on the ACC (laughs) uh, tournament and stuff like that, and I know that Lee and and Spencer are probably going to be tuned into that as well. So the next three games for the Hornets – Tuesday in New York, which I'm actually going to go on the Nick Film School podcast tomorrow. Nice. Thursday at Detroit and Saturday at home against the Jazz. So we appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode. For BG, I'm Richie. Take care.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.